Shalom Aleikum. Assalamu Alaikum. This is uh, Harlem University Radio, and uh, I'm your host, uh, one of your hosts, uh, Naeem Abdurafi. So our purpose here is uh, twofold, um, expressed in, in this tagline, both purposes, uh, encouraging the reading of what should be read, encouraging the writing of what should be written. This is the Harlem U mission. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful of um, one day having um, someone, uh, some, someone's people uh, join me on the show for the purpose of reading some history. Uh, ideally, history uh, that um, complements or expands on in some way uh, what is uh, currently being read. And uh, I also am longing to have uh, to be joined by another kind of co-host someone who comes on to um, share with the audience um, the work he or she is doing on on their memoir, Uh, another form of history, another very important form of history. History is extremely important, uh, and um, uh, a, a personal history is extremely important. Um, I I should say no less important than um, the kind of history I've been sharing with you thus far. That is, uh, tonight, for example, uh, my plan is to uh, continue with my uh, discussion of of ancient Greece and um, uh, but if someone uh, uh, wants to join uh, in that uh, that discussion or around that discussion with uh, some some history to to read uh, that would that would be why I'm here um, that's why we're here um, so um, if you're um, you should know that this uh, this show, this broadcast, is happening uh, on the night of uh, January 18th, 2020, um, starting at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. Now, you could be listening on demand, but if you're listening uh, live, you could, by connecting uh, with, with a phone, you could be brought onto the show if, if that's your, um, you know, if if you, if, if you want that, um, to, you know, to comment or, or whatever. Or um, again, if you are um, if you're listening live, you could chat in to the show and and have your um, have your questions uh, responded to live without your uh, having to uh, uh, having having to speak. Uh, Chatting, however, 
requires that you get a uh, a, a free uh, blogtalkradio.com account, and uh, with that, you can uh, you you can uh, uh, chat into any any show that's that is being hosted on blogtalkradio.com. Um, and um, if you're listening live or if you're listening on demand and you want to comment, then you'd have to uh, go to the Facebook page, um, at, uh, which is uh, Harlem University Radio Facebook page, uh, facebook.com, Harlem University Radio, or you know, at Facebook, search for Harlem University Radio. So let me uh, bring in one of my co-hosts. Uh, good evening. Good evening, Samuel. Are you there? Let's see. I am. Can you hear me? I think. Samuel, are you there? I am. Oh, hang on. Oh. Yes. You, you, you responded to my greeting. And but I didn't have my, <laughs> I didn't have my phones on. I forgot. I took them off when I uh, I, I looked at the uh, the dash originally and, and didn't see anyone. So how are you, Samuel? Are you there? Let's see. What I should be able to hear you, but I'm not for some reason. Uh, let's see. And it says, all right, you're no longer with me. All right, well, in that case, what I'm going to do, okay, Samuel dropped uh, technical difficulties on his end, I, I suspect. All right, so let me, let me get into the reading and we'll get back to, we'll get back to Samuel uh, later, hopefully. All right. So let's go here. And um, so we're dealing with um, um, let's see chapter seven and chapter eight. Uh, ch- chapter seven of uh, we, we're going to complete chapter seven. And the title of that chapter is The Greek City-State in Which We Find a Tendency Toward Democracy. And uh, Chapter 8 is the, the Persian Wars and the Greek Attempts at Empire. Okay. So um, we're not going to get as far as Greek Attempts at empire that will have to wait until next week. So let's uh, let's uh, get into what uh, Dr. Heckel and Dr. Sigmund have to say in their book on the road to civilization: a world history, published in 1936. See what it is they have to say about. Uh, uh, the Greek city-state in which we find a tendency toward democracy and uh, 
uh, the Persian Wars. Uh, and uh, so we're not going to get to Greek attempts at empire. All right, I want so let's go back to last week, and I'm going to read the very last part of what I shared last week. <clears throat> okay. Spartan government. Okay. The government in Sparta was, in form, a combination of monarchy and aristocracy. There were two kings. This weakened royal power and increased that of nobles. There was a senate of 30 elders uh, who had to be over 60, and there was a popular assembly of all Spartans over 30. But the real power of administration lay in the hands five men called ephors, or overseers, E-P-H-O-R-S, in case I'm not pronouncing that correctly, ephors. These were elected by the assembly each year, and any Spartan was eligible. The ephors called the assembly and presided over it. They were judges of all important matters, and no appeal could be made of their decisions. They controlled the movements of the kings and could even arrest and condemn them. So, despite the trappings and dignity of a monarchy, Sparta, Sparta was really a military dictatorship of the ephors. The state remained unprogressive, uh, adding nothing to the art and learning of Greece. There was only one thing in which Sparta surpassed other Greek states, military efficiency. It may be that in this, her contribution to civilization was greater than appeared, for she held back invaders and was thus an agency and preserving the superior culture of the other Greek states. Okay. Now, I'm going to go on to the next chapter. But before that, let me check again. Aha. Well... Now I have my earphones on, and before I get started with tonight's uh, reading, I'm going to check with Samuel. Hello, can you hear me? I can hear you. And I can, oh, I, all right, wonderful. <laughs> you were on before, and you didn't... I was, uh, I was, but I had uh, my uh, mic plugged into a bad port. Okay, so. I'm, I'm not sure if the problem was on your end, because... I I I, uh, I had my uh, my phones plugged in, but I didn't have them on my head. <laughs> so I I think that you were responding to me, and I just wasn't hearing because uh, I'd forgotten that I'd plugged my head headphones in. So, but we're we're, oh. we're we're together now. Well, that's good. It's good to be yeah. here. <laughs> sure. 
All right. So let me let me ask you before I proceed to um, reading about uh, 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 the Athenian uh, government and um, war with the Persians. Uh, is there is there anything that we that that, that you want to uh, contribute? Before we get to that, we, you know, we don't have to stop with that. And have you have you have you done any 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 research that you want to share, or have, have any notes to uh, uh, append to to our discussion of last week? And uh, I, I'm not putting you on the spot because if your answer is no, I, I can just go to the reading, no problem. Well, uh, I do. I do have. I do have some things to add. I did some research on the what is popularly called popularly called the uh, Malian dialogue, which we, uh, we were talking about. I think we touched up on that a bit last week. I think, right? Okay, so you're talking about something that that uh, happened happened during, during the Peloponnesian War. So like Peloponnesian a, a Wars. Bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, no, you can you no problem with uh, presenting that now. We're going to get to that in in the reading, but uh, I, I think if, if if you want, you know, we can we can we can take it now, and then uh, you know we'll get to it in the reading when we get to it. So I mean, you know, I, I feel like probably it would be better because the history book will, for the book, whatever book you're reading from, it'll. Mm-hmm. I think it'll explain it. It'll go into much more detail uh, than uh-huh. I will. And mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like just to just to keep a sense of flow to this whole thing, I should save uh-huh. that for next week when we actually get into that whole, you okay. know, that, that point in time in history. Uh, okay. I think I- the only thing I'll add for tonight is how, uh, and, you know, the war against the Persians demonstrates this, rather well uh, about how the the Greeks the Greek states I mean they're very popular they're the two very most popular ones uh, Athens and Sparta but mm-hmm. I think the Persian War and you know a few of the conflicts that take place after the Persian War um, really demonstrate how Greece as a whole was built up by the contributions of all the city states, you know some people have favorites. You know, uh, there mm-hmm. I know a few academics who prefer the Athenians. I know a few mm-hmm. who prefer the Spartans, and they might not have always been on the friendliest terms, as you know our listeners will soon know or learn. But I, without the achievements of the other, neither of them would have thrived the way that they ended up doing. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. it's a very interesting thing, you know, especially if you consider how different a lot of those city-states were from each other, Sparta and, uh, Sparta and Athens especially. And it's, it's an interesting point in history, very interesting point. Uh, the, the, the point you make is uh, right on point. And, and I think... <laughs> The point is 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 made uh, in, in in what I'm going to read, but it, it, it yeah I, I believe so. 
Uh, anything else? No, I, that's it. I, I'll have to. I'll have to keep doing some more uh, research. Maybe I'll have something else to add next week. Well, plus the thing that I was going to add, uh, you know, for this broadcast. But no, that that's all. I think uh, we should just read from the book and uh, learn, uh, educate ourselves a little bit. Sounds good. Here we go. Let's do that. Okay. Um, topic. Okay, so we're uh, tonight we're dealing with uh, uh, government, uh, in, uh, in particular Athens. I just shared what the book shares concerning Sparta. So we're dealing with uh, uh, um, Athens, and uh, yeah, we're dealing with government and and war. Okay. Um, so, topic. You know, I'm. I am hearing something in your background. Is it is it possible to? Doing it now. To, to, Hang up. To, okay. All right. Did you leave us for good, Samuel? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I thought you had to go somewhere and do something, and I and I was waiting. Okay, so here we go. No, I'm sorry. I just turn. I'm just turning down the mic. That's, I'm muting okay. myself essentially. Okay, <laughs> that's all. Don't worry about all right. it. I'll okay. still be here. <laughs> okay. So, political development in Athens, um, and uh, this is uh, this speaks to exactly uh, what you were just saying. Uh, unlike Sparta, Athens was not made up of conquered communities. Therefore, it escaped the everlasting conflict between conquered and conqueror. The people of its villages willingly participated in common government. Athens, like the other city-states, began as a kingdom, but royal power was gradually undermined by nobles. And about 711 B.C., the king was deprived of his power. A committee of nine nobles called archons, who were elected annually by the nobility, was substituted for the kingship. The rule of nobles was oppressive. Although Athens was becoming a commercial state and wealth was increasing, there was great distress among the poor. Many farmers were forced to mortgage their lands to borrow from the wealthy at high rates of interest. Some farmers became so heavily in debt that they lost their lands and were forced into slavery. Solon, a reformer. Solon's reforms is the topic. After an unsuccessful attempt was made to establish uh, a tyranny, the nobles were frightened into making reforms to quiet the people. So someone tried to to take over, and that scared the nobles. Uh, They chose Solon, S-O-L-O-N, one of their own number, to act as supreme lawmaker for one year. This is in 594 B.C. Solon, though himself a noble, 
was a friend of the poor. He proposed radical reforms which broke the privileges of the old nobility. He canceled all mortgages, abolished enslavement for debt, and changed the standards of coinage to cheapen money and in effect reduce the amount of indebtedness. He fixed food prices and encouraged manufacturers and the formation of business corporations. He made political reforms which laid the basis for later Athenian democracy. He gave all citizens, even the poorest, a vote in the assembly of the people. He also gave them access to courts of justice. But Solon's remarkable reforms were a compromise and failed to please either the nobles or the people. Strife continued. Okay, another reformer, the tyrant uh, Pisistratus. Pisistratus. Pisistratus, also a noble, organized the enemies of the rich and usurped the government as tyrant in 561 BC. His rule was vigorous and intelligent and led to fuller democracy. He retained the laws of, of, of Solon, helped the poorer classes, encouraged manufacturers and commerce, constructed roads and aqueducts, adorned Athens with public buildings, befriended poet and artist, and by a wise foreign policy made Athens a power in the Greek world. His two sons continued his rule, but after one of them was murdered, the other turned hard and vengeful and so complete and, and so completely changed uh, his policy of government that many Athenians were eager to end the tyranny. Relief came from outside. Pisistratus had confiscated the estates of some nobles who had been his uh, nobles who had been his opponent opponents, and most of them went into exile in Sparta. Uh, they secured the aid of the, Spart- of the Spartan army, and under the leadership of one of their own, Christ. Uh, uh, this name is let's see. Chrysanes, Chrysanes, C-L-I-S-T-H-E-N-E-S, one, one of them, them are Chrysanes, they, they brought about the fall and exile of, of the tyrant, that is the son of Pisistratus. Chrysanes uh, reorganizes, let me spell that name, uh, C-L-I-S-T-H-E-N-E-S, Chrysanes. Uh, reorganizes the state. Christenes sought the support of the poorer classes and with their aid gained control of the government. This is 510 BC. So there's a lot happening in the 6th century and uh, we're coming to the end of the 6th century BC. He made a thorough reorganization of the state, lessening the powers of the nobles and increasing those of the people. Citizenship was extended to all free people of Attica. That is, that Attica is the area that includes uh, uh, Athens, uh, including men of foreign parentage residing in Athens. He continued the nine archons, 
as chief magistrates, magistrates, but they, they, they were no longer selected from the nobility alone, but from candidates nominated by all citizens. Ten generals chosen by ballot shared with the archons the control of military and foreign affairs. Christenes uh, tried to provide against tyranny by a device called ostracism. Once a year, the people might cast a secret ballot against many, against any man whom they deemed to be dangerous to the state. And by a, mar- and by a majority vote, if 6,000 ballots were cast, could send him into exile for 10 years. This voting was done by writing, by writing the name on, on a piece of pottery called an ostracon, hence the word ostracism. The device was capable of abuse by self-seeking politicians who might stir up the people against a good man, with bribes, for example. <laughs> As a result of the forms of the reforms of Christenes, a democracy or the rule of the people was greatly advanced. Their increased power in the state gave the people an increased patriotism, devotion to the interests of the state. Their patriotism, however, was soon to be sorely tried in an important conflict with the Persian Empire. The struggle between classes within a nation, and this is just a commentary by the authors, the struggle between classes within a nation, large or small, usually involves three groups. The privileged class, either hereditary nobles or else owners of great wealth, a king, dictator, or demagogue, and the common people. Not infrequently, the dictator rises by appealing to the common people against the nobles. Sometimes the nobles lead the, uh, lead the masses against a tyrannical uh, dictator, lead or led. I mean, this, this, this process we saw, uh, we, uh, we will see, was, was repeated you know, in, the, uh, uh, in, in, in the Dark Ages uh, in, in Europe. And, and, and later, in, into modern history, uh, but especially in, in, in the Dark Ages. Always the common man is seeking a larger share of what? The good things of life. Thus far in the world's history, democracy, with all its faults, has been the best answer to this problem. Okay, going on to chapter 8 the Persian Wars, and the Greek attempts at empire. So again, we, uh, in fact, we don't, we don't get to uh, Greek attempts at empire. We, we end uh, just as uh, the authors get into that. So we'll, we'll deal with that uh, in the, uh, the next show. Okay, topic. Asiatic Greeks draw Greece into war with Persia. The city-states of the Greek peninsula were not the only part of Hellas 
to develop in power and culture. The Ionian Greeks who settled in Asia Minor and on adjacent islands have been called the school teachers of Greece for their cities were the earliest centers of Greek culture after after the decline of the early Aegean civilization. As we have learned, the Persians were ambitious empire builders. Um, I'm going to be commenting on what motivated the Persians in, uh, uh, in, 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 a, in a future program. Uh, it may not be that they were just uh, uh, am, am, you know, ambitious and, 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 and conquerors, but maybe so. Okay, their conquests had already absorbed all the monarchies of the Orient. Further expansion was possible only at the expense of Greece. The Greek cities of Asia Minor, except Miletus, Miletus, were brought under Persian despotism. So all all but Miletus was, uh, uh, was controlled by the Persians. They were brought under Persian despotism. But in 499 BC, okay, so we're into the into the fifth century uh, BC, uh, the Ionian Greeks revolted against the Persians and appeared to uh, and appealed to the European Greeks for aid. Athens sent a fleet of 20 ships. After five years of fighting, the Ionian revolt was suppressed and the Persian king Darius prepared to punish Athens for her part in the revolt. Okay. Battle of Marathon. The situation was desperate. How could so small a state hope for success against a a mighty empire whose famous fighting forces had on previous occasions defeated the Greeks and seemed invincible. The Athenians were frightened. They prayed to their gods for help and seemed to get it. For the first expedition sent by Darius was abandoned when the fleet carrying a part of the Persian forces was wrecked in a storm. Two years later, 600 ships bore a Persian army across the Aegean to the shores of Attica. Uh, now, that is, they crossed the Dardanelles, what, the, um, what was then called the, the Hellespont, and I, and I, which is about, in some places, almost uh, a, a mile wide, in other places wider. And they did it, I understand, by means of a pontoon bridge. Um, so you can you can uh, you know look that up. Pontoon bridges uh, have been used as uh, as recently as, as Vietnam, I, I, I guess, but certainly in in the Second World War. Pontoon bridge. Okay. So um, two years later, 600 ships bore uh, a Persian army across the Aegean to the shores of Attica. Uh, no, no, wait a minute. I, maybe, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. 
the invaders landed on a little plane, on the little plane of Marathon. Uh, so maybe the, the pontoon bridge was not used at this point. Intending to march a few miles overland to destroy Athens. But instead of waiting in Athens for the Persian attack, the Athenian, the Athenian general, uh, Miltiades, with 10,000 armed Athenian citizens, assumed the offensive and hurried out to Marathon. On a September day in the year 490 BC, they hurled themselves against the Persians and drove them in disorder to the sea, leaving over 6,000 of their dead on the battlefield, the Persians escaped in their ships. Marathon is regarded as, as one of the decisive battles of history. For while it was only a temporary setback to Persia, the Athenian victory proved that the fighting forces of the great Asiatic empire were not invincible. It gave the Greeks new confidence and courage and put them in greater readiness to meet a later and more determined Persian invasion. Besides, the victory placed Athens in a position of leadership in Greece, a leadership which was to affect the civilization of the world. So no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't in, in, in this battle uh, that uh, the, uh, uh, the pontoon bridge was used. Well, I think we're getting to that. A decade of preparation. <clears throat> Ten years elapsed before the Persians were ready to send another expedition, their third one against Greece. During that period, the Athenians were preparing to meet the new invasion. Two outstanding Athenian statesmen of that time, Aristides and Themistocles, not, not Themistocles, Themistocles, Aristides and Themistocles could not agree uh, on a plan of defense. Aristides wished to rely on a strengthened army. Uh, Themistocles advocated a fleet uh, strong enough to cope with the Persian fleet. The policy of a big navy meant a departure from tradition and was therefore opposed by the conservatives. A bitter controversy resulted, which was finally settled when the citizens voted to ostracize Aristides. New veins of rich silver ore had been discovered in the state, state mines in Attica, and Themistocles persuaded the Athenians to use this wealth in building ships instead of dividing the treasure amongst, among the citizens. By adding 20 new triremes each year, a fleet of about 180 vessels was created. The great naval victory at Salamis proved the wisdom of the policy of Themistocles. Uh, a tri trireme was a, 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 a warship of those days. The, the tri, uh, the, the, you know, the prefix meaning three, 
referred to the three uh, three levels of uh, of rowers. Um, well, exactly how that worked, I, I don't know, but uh, it worked. Um, okay, so the great naval victory at, at Salamis proved proved the wisdom of the policy of Themistocles. Thermopylae and, and, and Salamis, final defeat of the Persians. Before the Persians were ready for their third expedition, the Persian king Darius, that's Darius I, died, and his son Xerxes, that's Xerxes I, I believe, took command. He collected a vast army from all the people of his empire and a fleet of more than a thousand ships. Early in 480 BC, the Persian army crossed the, the Hellespont, okay, now, now called the Dardanelles. So this is, so the army crossed using the, uh, the pontoon bridges, uh, bridge. Uh, at the at the narrow point of the Darden, what is now called the Dardanelles, uh, the the Dardanelles Strait, that uh, uh, leads from the Aegean into the Sea of Marmara, and then and then through another strait into the Black Sea. Yet you know it's always helpful uh, to um, have a have a have a, a map or an atlas nearby, which I don't. But um, it's, you know, as people are going back and, and listening to these, uh, uh, these broadcasts, uh, it would be helpful to have, uh, you know, have, have a map available. Okay, so the Persian army crossed the uh, Hellespont, now called the Dardanelles, and accompanied by the fleet, advanced down the coast uh, of Greece to Thermopylae a narrow pass between the mountains and the sea, uh, which commanded, this pass commanded the entrance into central Greece. In this pass, the Greeks thought it might be possible for a small force to make a stand against the oncoming army. The task was undertaken by the Spartan king Leonidas, with only 5,000 soldiers. 300 Greek triremes collected from Athens and other Greek cities attempted to hold the Persian navy and thus prevent Xerxes from getting beyond Thermopylae by sea. For several days, the Greeks repelled the Persians on both land and sea, but a traitor revealed to Xerxes a path over the mountains which the Persians followed to make a surprise attack on the Greeks from the rear. Leonidas sent all his small band to safety, except 1,000 men, 300 of whom were Spartans. The heroic leader and his faithful soldiers went down fighting, each man at his post. The Greek fleet uh, withdrew to the Bay of Salamis near Athens. The Athenians abandoned their city and withdrew to the island of Salamis, from which they could see their homes being burned by the Persians. Themistocles, by clever strategy, 
provoked the Persian fleet to give battle in the narrow strait between Salamis and the mainland. And there, the desperate Greeks won a decisive victory. More than half of the enemy ships were destroyed, and Xerxes was forced to retire from Greece, leaving an army under one of his ablest generals to complete the conquest of, of, of the Greek cities. The following spring, a Persian invasion of central Greece aroused Sparta and Athens to united action, and the Persian army was defeated near Plataea. On the same day, the Athenian fleet near the promontory of uh, uh, Mikali in Asia Minor destroyed the remnant of the enemy fleet which had escaped to Salamis. The Persians were driven from European Greece never to return. So what I want to do here, that's, that, that's all from the chapter. I want to um, share something I got from Wikipedia concerning uh, Marathon, which is the uh, the Battle of Marathon, an event of the the Battle of Marathon, uh, which which gives uh, gives us the origin for the 26 mile uh, race that we see happening uh, in you know uh, around the world, and I think is a part of part of the Olympics, I, I believe. Okay, um, the name Marathon comes from the legend of Philippides, the Greek messenger. The legend states that while he was taking part in the Battle of Marathon, so this would be the, the battle before the last battle, he witnessed a Persian vessel changing its course toward Athens. As the battle was near a victorious end for the Greek army, as, as the battle was uh, was near a victorious end for the Greek army. He interpreted this as an attempt by the defeated Persians to rush into the Greek capital and claim false victory, uh, which took place in August or September before 90 BC, hence claiming their authority over Greek land. Okay. It is said that he ran the entire distance to Athens without stopping, discarding his weapons and even clothes to lose as much weight as possible, and burst into the assembly, exclaiming, we have won, before collapsing and dying. <laughs> the, the account of the run from Marathon to Athens first appears in Plutarch's uh, On the Glory of Athens uh, in the first century AD, um, in which quotes from uh, a lost work, giving the runner's name as either, okay, two names that are different from uh, uh, this one, uh, Philippides. There's a, okay. There's a debate about the historical accuracy of this legend. 
The Greek historian Herodotus, the main source for the uh, Greco-Persian Wars, mentions Philippides as the messenger who ran from Athens to Sparta asking for help and then ran back a, a distance of over 240 kilometers, uh, which is 150 miles each way. Mm. In some Herodotus manuscripts, the name of the runner between Athens and Sparta is given as Philippides. Herodotus makes no mention of a, mass, of a messenger sent from Marathon to Athens and relates that the main part of the Athenian army, having fought and won the grueling battle and fearing a naval raid by the Persian fleet against an undefended Athens, marched quickly back from the battle to Athens, arriving the same day. So, so much for the source of the marathon race that uh, takes place these days. So that is the end of what I have to share from uh, Professors uh, Heckel and uh, Sigmund. So I will close this. And uh, so Samuel, are you there? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm still here. You're you're still here. So that's that's it. Um, The... um, as far as uh, the text is concerned, um, um, we'll be getting into um, uh, the, the development of the Delian League, okay, the League of, uh, of, uh, of, of City-States, uh, which, as you know, eventually leads to, uh, you know, the Peloponnesian War, you know, this... Um, so I'm I'm done. I'm wondering if you want you want to add uh, add any more. I was curious. What does marathon mean? Well, uh, the the marathon today's well, marathon is 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 the site of that battle that the the Greeks won. Okay, and right. the, okay. So the legend has it that this messenger noticed, or it was brought to his attention, that, okay, the Persians were were being defeated, but that there was a Persian ship heading for Athens that was going to go to Athens and tell the people to to, uh, uh, surrender because they had lost at at at, uh, at marathon, which was not the case. So the legend right. has it that um, he he ran, uh, you know, I, I don't know how far, but quite quite a distance uh, to and shedding his armor and shedding his clothes and burst into the assembly and, and saying, "Hold on, hold on, we won," you know uh, these these. these these people claiming to be the victors are imposters. So you know that, that's roughly how uh, the you know the story goes. 
But um, the marathon itself, I'm, I'm going to my dictionary here. And see, just see what it says. Uh, A foot race over a course measuring 26 miles, 385 yards. Any long distance Hmm. race, an extended contest or event requiring great endurance. Um, So, but the the origin of the long race, you know, the Boston Marathon, the New York City Marathon, I think there's, you know, a marathon in other places. Uh, the, the the origin is uh, uh, at least symbolically is the the battle of marathon uh, right that took, right took place in in the uh, the second war the war in uh, four four ninety B C and then in four eighty B C there was the you know the final uh, assault. Of, of the Persians under Xerxes, um, uh, Darius had died, and uh, they lost that war also. But right. uh, you know, eventually they would uh, uh, prevail somehow. Uh, but more happens before that happens. Before that, so anyway, yeah. But that's so, it. Uh, I that was, uh... Anything? Anything uh, before we close? No, no, uh, that will have to be saved for the next broadcast. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your, your contribution, and uh, I, uh, I thank our listeners. And, and uh, with that, I bid everyone uh, a good evening, a blessed evening, and a blessed day and a week to come. And uh, more history or possibly uh, some, you know, some uh, memoir work. Uh, next uh, next Tuesday at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. All right. Salam. So long. Have a good night. Good night.